Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Well, welcome to episode one of Who Needs Christmas? Now, the answer to that question may seem obvious to you. You may be thinking, well, clearly you and I need Christmas, especially this year. I mean, good grief. We're all looking forward to something that's a little better, a little brighter, a little more positive, aren't we? I don't think our family has set up our Christmas decorations any earlier ever than we have this year. We were ready just to start focusing on something good at the end of the year. You may be the exact same way. And you'd be right if you said that. You and I, we do need Christmas, but for some reasons bigger than maybe you realize or I realize. We'll talk more about that next time. Today, I want to suggest that there's someone else who needs Christmas, someone that maybe you've never thought about before. I want to suggest that God needed Christmas too. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. If you've ever been a parent, you're going to be able to relate to this. And even if you haven't, your parents were probably like this. Every parent who's ever lived, at least every good parent, has had a moment where they have felt this frustration. They've had a moment where they were thinking about their kids, they were dealing with the situation, and they thought to themselves, I wish I could communicate to them just how much I love them. If there were just some way they could see how much I care about them, if there was some way they could see how deeply I want what's best for them, then they wouldn't keep fighting me and resisting me over this. They wouldn't keep blowing me off when I encourage them or tell them to do something. No, they would, they would trust me. I just want them to trust me. If they could just see how much they love, that I love them, then... Well, they, they trust me a little bit more. Every parent has felt that. And if you're a parent, you may have ha- tried to have that conversation with your child. And you know how it goes, don't you? They looked you right in the eye and you poured your heart out to them and they rolled their eyes or they turned away or they sighed or they said, yeah, well, why do you do this to me then? And why won't you let me do that? And they built a case for why they weren't sure that was true. You know why? Because it's just really, really hard to convince someone, especially when you're asking them to do something they don't want to do. It's so hard to convince someone to trust you. It's so hard to help someone see and know how deeply you love them. Well, can you imagine, if it's that hard for us when we're able to look our children in the eye or your parents were able to look you in the eye and communicate that, can you imagine how hard it is for God? Can you imagine what it's like for Him trying to communicate to people who can't see Him? He's an invisible God. Can you imagine how hard it is for him to communicate to them, to you, to me, how much he loves us and cares about us? No wonder it's so hard for people to trust God. We have a hard time trusting one another when we can see one another. Imagine how hard it is to trust a God that you cannot see. That was the dilemma that God had. That was the challenge that he had to figure out how to overcome. And so you know what his answer was? You know what his solution was? It was Christmas. Now Paul, who was one of Jesus' most famous first century followers... Paul had a moment where it was like an aha moment, where the light came on, where Paul began to realize, oh my goodness, this is exactly what God was doing. This is exactly what the Christmas story is about. This is why God came. And it took Paul a while to figure that out because he was opposed to Christianity and he didn't believe Jesus was who he claimed to be at the beginning. But once he came to know, he had this aha moment where it all clicked. And one day he's writing to a group of Christians living in the region of Galatia there in the first century. And he tries to explain the significance of the Christmas story to them. He tries to explain to them exactly why God needed Christmas. And he doesn't use the traditional Christmas story. He doesn't tell all the facts and details like Matthew does, like Luke does, the story that you're probably familiar with hearing. 
Paul explained it a little bit of a different way. But he's talking directly about what happened at Christmas. Here's how Paul put it in Galatians. He said, but when the set time had fully come. In other words, Paul's going, okay, guys, when everything was just like it needed to be, when the Roman Empire had spread far enough and wide enough, and they built out all the transportation avenues and all the transportation channels, and there were the seaports, and there were the roads. I mean, this was the first time in human history that transportation was so standardized and so easily accessible throughout the known world. It had never been that comprehensive and vast before. So Paul says, just at the right time, when everything was like it needed to be, when all the transportation was available, at the right time when the Romans had standardized language throughout the known world, culture throughout the known world, just when everything was like it needed to be for this message God wanted to deliver, not to be lost, but to be held onto and communicated and spread everywhere. But when the set time had fully come, Paul says, God sent his son. Have you ever wondered, why didn't God send a messenger? Why couldn't God have just sent a message? Well, <laughs> he tried. He'd already done that. And it didn't work, did it? If you've read any of the Jewish scriptures, you know this. It just didn't work. People couldn't believe. People couldn't keep on trusting. When things got tough, people stopped trusting the messengers and they stopped believing the message. So God said, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something that will work. God sent his son, born of a woman and born under the law. Not coming God in a body that all of us would recognize, not coming as God in a body that all of us would revere. No, God chose, think about this, God chose to come in a body as a baby, born of a woman, playing by the same rules all of us play by. This just blows my mind. God didn't show up and say, okay, you're living by one set of rules, you're living by one law, but I'm here and I'm God, so I've got my own set. I'm going to live my own way, and you guys are going to relate to me the way I want you to relate to me. No. God showed up in our world just like we show up, and he played by our rules. Why? Because God wanted to be personal. This was his whole goal. Just like any good parent wants with their children, God wanted a relationship with his children that was personal, that was built on trust, a relationship where we all knew his love for us was unconditional. And so God decided to do something relational because you have to do something relational in order to be personal. And Paul tells us what he did. He says he came born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. He showed up and he said, okay, I'm going to remove every obstacle. I'm going to remove every barrier. I'm going to redeem and restore you to who you were created to be. And I'm going to make it possible for you to be adopted. How more, much more personal can it get? I'm going to make it possible for you to be invited, become a part of my family. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but here's a question I want you to reflect on for just a minute. How would we know where we stand with God if God hadn't come to stand with us? This is what Paul's saying he did. How would we know where we stand with God if God had never come to stand with us? I mean, think about it. Another messenger wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have done it. Another message wouldn't have done it. Another sacred text wouldn't have done it. Another judge wouldn't have done it. Another miracle wouldn't have done it. We'd had all of those things before. They hadn't done the job. The only way that we could ever have confidence and know where we stand with God was for God to come and stand 
with us. In order to be personal, he had to do something relational. See, here's what God knew, and here's why God needed Christmas. God knew that we needed an illustration. In other words, we need to see it. We couldn't just be told it. This is true in your relationships, isn't it? Somebody can tell you that they love you unconditionally. Somebody can tell you, oh, you can trust me completely. But the reality is you need to see it. Actions speak far louder than words. We need an illustration. So you know what God did at Christmas? God staged a demonstration. This is exactly what he was doing. It was the whole point of Christmas. God showed up and said, okay, I know actions speak louder than words, so watch this. You don't have to just listen to what I say. Watch what I do. And it'll tell you everything that you need to know about how much I love you. He chose to stage a demonstration that was so relational. And again, for one simple reason. Because he wanted to be personal to you and to me, which blows my mind. Why in the world would God care that much? But he does. Why in the world would God want us to know him that intimately? But he invites us to. And he did everything he could to redeem us so we could be adopted as sons and daughters of his. See, this is really the point of Christmas. The point of Christmas, and we focus this time of year on the birth of a baby in a manger, and that's all kind, and that's all sweet, and that's all good. But Christmas really isn't about that. That's just the beginning of the story. Christmas is actually all about the cross. The ultimate demonstration of God's love for you, the ultimate demonstration that proves you can trust him unconditionally, was the fact that Jesus gave his life for you on a cross. He gave his life for you when he didn't have to. He gave his life for you to offer you forgiveness so you could be a part of his family, so you could be personal. Jesus did the most relational thing to invite you into a love and a forgiveness that's unconditional. Now, that leads us to a question that maybe you've thought of. I bet you have at some point. But for those of us who are Christians, sometimes we feel like we can't voice these questions out loud. If you're not a Christian or you're skeptical about all this, you may have voiced these questions and just not gotten a good answer. They, people may have, you know, Christians you've talked to may have said, no, 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 you don't need to worry about that, it's just this. And just, just wasn't enough of an answer. But I'm going to ask it for us all, okay? The questions are these. Why did Jesus have to die? It just seems so brutal, doesn't it? it seems so gory. All right, come on, what kind of God is it that sacrifices himself on a cross? Why is that even necessary? Why couldn't he just pronounce everyone forgiven? You ever wondered about this? Why couldn't Jesus have just shown up, got everybody's attention, stood up on a hillside one day and said, okay, everybody, listen up, listen up, pull out your phones, go ahead and video this. You're going to want to put this on Instagram. You're going to put this on Facebook, get this on TikTok. Make sure everybody sees it, okay? I don't, I don't want anybody to lose this message. And he just stood up and got everybody's attention and said, okay, I am here to tell you on behalf of God, you're all forgiven. Everybody in the whole world, you're forgiven. Everybody's good. Don't worry about it anymore. Everything's good between you and God. Move right on. Why in the world did he not do that? Couldn't he have just made a blanket pronouncement and then we were all good? No need for the blood. No need for the suffering. No need for the pain. No need for the death. Just seems senseless, doesn't it? Let me explain to you why Jesus had to die. There are a couple reasons why Jesus didn't just pronounce everybody forgiven. One is, very simply, nobody would have believed it. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in... The shoes of the people living in the first century, even today. Imagine if the story was, hey, I want you to know there was God who showed up in a human body one time and just stood on a hillside in the first century and said, everybody throughout history, you're all forgiven. Well, you'd be pretty skeptical of that, wouldn't you? As a matter of fact, from time to time, Jesus did this with individuals. 
someone would come to him for healing. And he would say, I'm going to heal you. And oh, by the way, your, your sins are forgiven. And everybody didn't even believe him then when he was telling one person. So you can imagine, nobody would have believed him if he'd have made a blanket pronouncement for the whole world. But the other reason that Jesus had to die, and this gets more to the heart of it. If you've tuned out, tune back in for just a second. This is really important to understand. The other reason Jesus had to die is because those of us who are followers of Jesus, well, we believe that God is the author of life. And because he's the author of life, every time you dishonor life, you dishonor God. Every time you make a choice or a decision that dishonors your life, every time I make a choice that dishonors my life, or every time we dishonor the life of someone around us, we're not just dishonoring them. We're not just dishonoring ourselves. We're also dishonoring the author of life. And when you dishonor the author of life, you deserve the forfeiture of your life. Think of it this way. If you choose to be ungrateful for a gift that you have been freely given, you don't deserve the gift anymore. You deserve to lose the gift. Well, when you dishonor the author and the giver of life, by dishonoring life, you deserve to lose your own life. But this is what makes the story of Christmas, and more specifically, the story of God, so remarkable. He looked at us and said, you deserve to lose your life for the way you have dishonored life and the way you have dishonored me. But Jesus said, we're not going to do that. I'm going to forfeit my life on your behalf. I'm going to give my life in place of yours. I'm going to pay the penalty you can't pay. I'm going to pay the death that there's no way you can repay. I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to clean up what you have messed up. And the perfect, sinless, God in human flesh, think about it, did not bend the rules or work around the rules. He played by the rules of this world. And he gave his life for you and for me. He staged a demonstration because he knew that love has to be shown to be known. That the amount of love someone has for you, for me, what's well, always demonstrated by the depth of sacrifice they're willing to make for us. And he made the greatest sacrifice to show he had the deepest love. To show you can trust me unconditionally. It was your perfect heavenly father getting down on one knee and looking his children in the eye and saying, listen, I've done everything I can to communicate to you how much I love you. I've done everything I can to show you you can trust me. I've sent messengers. I've sent messages. I've done miracles. So now I'm going to give my life for you. And through this sacrifice, you can know that you can trust me. Through this sacrifice, you'll know that you're loved unconditionally. God did the most relational thing for us simply because he wanted to be personal to us. And so, at just the right time, there was a young teenage Jewish carpenter boy who's pledged to be married to a woman named Mary. And he finds out that she is pregnant. And he is asking the questions all of us would ask. 
He's going, what do I do now? And what do I do with this? Because the law says to shame her. The law says to expose her. The law says to discard her. So do I do that? Or maybe I keep the law, but I do it privately to try to provide a little dignity for her. What do I do with this mess? Do I divorce her? Do I leave her? Do I call this off? Do I tell her dad? What do I do? And God stepped in. He sent an angel to answer that question for Joseph. And the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's not lying. She's telling the truth. She's going to give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. More on that next time. And Matthew tells us all this took place fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the message that God wanted to send to you and to me. But how does an invisible God let human beings know that he's with them, that he's for them, that he loves them? Well, we need an illustration because actions speak louder than words and love has to be shown to be known. We need an illustration. So God staged a demonstration. God knew we needed to see it, to believe it. And so he showed up that first Christmas and he said, watch this. And he laid down his life for you and for me. He laid down his life for the very people who deserved to lose their own lives because they had dishonored, I had dishonored, you had dishonored. We've all dishonored the author of life. He didn't take the easy route. He didn't say, well, you made this mess, you got to clean it up. You made your bed, you've got to lie in it. No, his love for us, just like the love of any great parent for their child, his love for us ran way too deep. So he did whatever it took and went to whatever extremes. The sinless Savior and Son of God laid down his life for you and for me. So, I want to give you a couple questions to reflect on. Because what I hope for you is that this Christmas, well, it's more than just something positive to look forward to at the end of a long year. I mean, that's good. I hope that's true for you. But Christmas, it's way more than that. It's way more than that. So I hope you'll reflect on these couple of questions as you begin to process what Christmas really means for you this season. First question is this. What are some truths about God that you wouldn't know if Jesus hadn't demonstrated them? That's a great question. As I began to think through that, I realized, oh my goodness, there's so many things I would have never known about God. I wouldn't have known by him sending a message or a messenger. I just wouldn't have trusted it. I couldn't have known just through miracles. I couldn't have known through some sacred text. Now, there's some things that I know about God and I'm confident about God, a lot of things, simply because Jesus showed up and he demonstrated them. And then the second question is this. Is God personal to you? And what do I mean by that? Is are, you, are you absolutely confident that he's with you? Are you absolutely confident in where you stand with God, that everything's good between you and God? Are you absolutely confident that you're forgiven, that you're a part of his family? Are you absolutely confident that he loves you unconditionally and you can trust him implicitly? The only way that you and I will ever know where we stand with God is simply because of the fact that God came to stand with us. The only way we know where we stand with God is by knowing what we did with God 
and the gift that he offered to us through Jesus. Who needs Christmas? Well, God needed it. We needed an illustration, but God needed a demonstration. And I don't know what more he could have done to prove to you and to me how much he loves us. He paid the penalty for all of our sins. He invites us all into his family. As Paul put it, at just the right time, God sent his son to redeem us all, to cleanse us, to forgive us, to free us all from our sin so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters of his. So, if you don't have that confidence of where you stand with God, if he's not personal to you, well, maybe that's because you've simply ignored him. Maybe it's because you've resisted him. Maybe it's because you've tried to defy him. Maybe it's because you've never humbled yourself enough to trust him and to say, okay, I can't save myself. I can't fix myself. I can't clean up the mess I've made. Maybe you've never humbled yourself enough to acknowledge, I have dishonored life. I've dishonored my own life by some choices I've made. I've definitely dishonored the lives of other people, and by doing that, God, I've dishonored you, the author of life. But if you will humble yourself Enough to simply acknowledge that and admit, you know what? I deserve to forfeit my life because of this. But Jesus, thank you for forfeiting your life on my behalf. I just accept your forgiveness. I accept your gift. That's all you have to do to be a part of God's family, to be forgiven, to be free, and for God to be personal to you. You can know where you stand with God, and you can be confident in where you stand with God, not because you're good or I'm good, but because of the perfection of Jesus sacrificed on a cross on our behalf. If you have never accepted that gift, I want to invite you to do it right now. And it's so simple. There's nothing magic about it. You can just tell God right where you're watching, right where you're listening. If you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I want to be a part of your family. That's all you have to do. It's really that simple. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You don't have to clean yourself up enough. You don't have to be religious enough. You're not earning anything. We can't earn our way out of this mess we've created. You just have to accept the forgiveness that he's offering. If you'll tell him that right now, well, this is the beauty of it. God wants a relationship with you so much. He's already done everything. All you have to do is accept it. And he says, okay, everything's good between you and me. Not just for today, but for forever. If you're making that decision right now, I would love to know about it because this Christmas I'd love to celebrate with you. So if you're deciding for the very first time to begin this relationship with Jesus to accept his forgiveness, if you'll just text the word start new, make it all one word, to 94090, uh, give us your information. We'll reach out to you. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to answer any questions you have and give you some resources to help you figure out your next step. And I'm just telling you, if you make that decision for the first time, this will be the most meaningful special Christmas you have ever had because this will be the time when you finally fully understand what Christmas is all about. You'll understand. Oh my goodness. I need an illustration. God staged a demonstration and he did it for me. And that's an extraordinary thing. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for loving us far more than we deserve. Thank you for finding us in our mess and not walking away, not leaning away. You walked in and you leaned in. We needed to see, to believe. 
And you said, okay, watch this. And that's what Christmas is all about. So thank you so much for your love, for your forgiveness. Thank you at just the right time. Showing up in this world when the message wouldn't be lost, when the message would be documented. You staged a demonstration that's been documented. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we still know, and there's still evidence. So thank you for that. And thank you for the extraordinary forgiveness and love that you demonstrate to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Callaway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.